0: We hope you find these podcasts informative, and as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Good day, and welcome to episode 196 of our Momenta Digital Thread podcast series. Today, I'm pleased to host Greg Carter, former Chief Customer Officer at Digi and Head of Business Operations at Tive. Greg has spent nearly 30 years in the high-tech industry, focusing on customer leadership and startups. He specializes in creating customer success and operations systems, processes, and teams to help scale high-growth companies. Greg is a hardware and SaaS expert and has deployed more than a million devices to over 100,000 locations. He sits on the board of advisors for Utiligent and is an armed forces veteran. Greg, welcome to our Digital Thread podcast and thank you for your service. Thank you again for having me and I look forward to this discussion. As well, as well. So, you know we call this the Digital Thread Podcast. So, of course, we want to talk about your digital thread and otherwise, or, or the one or more thematic threads that define your digital industry journey. Yes,
1: yeah, so I took a little time to think about this, and I believe the one thematical thread that defines my career, and kind of my digital journey for that matter, would be the evolution of technology and customer service. So when I started right out of college, and I'm a bit embarrassed to admit it, but email was just getting popular. So when customers wanted to ask a question, their only option was to call by phone. And if they were lucky, there was a toll-free number that was associated with it. In my mind, this was kind of a very personal exchange and very high touch. But if you fast forward 30 years, you're almost lucky to find a phone number on a website, as many other technologies have kind of come into the market. So in my mind, the real trick or the real magic is how can companies stay efficient with their customer success departments while delivering what I consider just wow experiences?
0: It's an interesting point, especially in the age of connected devices, right? Because in the past, the customer success was largely tied to a deployment. But in some cases, you're talking about devices now, in essence, reporting their service information as well. We've actually invested in a company that looks at this exact space. So it makes it very interesting space, as you say, the evolution in there as well. So I know you've had a track record of customer success roles leading up to being named Chief Customer Officer at SmartSense by Digi. If you had to summarize that time prior to Digi into three learnings relative to customer success, what would those be?
1: That's a great question. It's hard to kind of limit it to three, but I'll kind of give it a shot here. The first learning is realizing that someone took a bet on you, and that's the way that I kind of look at sales. So whenever a customer kind of signs on the dotted line, or electronic signature nowadays, and agrees to purchase either your product or services, I always think to myself that someone's job can kind of be on the line. Uh, sometimes these contracts are multi-year in multi-million dollar contracts. Now, I'll never forget the time that I worked at a startup called Alert, So, temperature sensors to a very major player in the retail pharmacy market who took a gamble on a nine-person company in a leaky basement in Boston Roll out every single one of their stores. and They had 11,000 locations. So I knew that person that actually signed off and it really took a risk. And me and my customer success team had one mission after that, and that was to make that person look great. He could call anytime, day or night, and we would always answer and even more importantly, respond. So just remember it in this learning is that someone took a risk on you and you really want to make sure that you make that person look good. So the second learning is that, and this is just in my interpretation, is that customers want partners, not vendors. So from my perspective, customers don't want to keep on finding new products to address the same needs. They want a partner to work with and grow with them. They also want transparency. And, and I think this is a little bit uncomfortable for some, but it's okay to show that your organization is not perfect. You know, own up to when there's issues and, and kind of move on. In my mind, you'll gain a lot more credibility. I also hold the belief that both customers and partners are equal at the table with kind of mutual respect. And with that in mind, saying no is not a bad thing. It's a hard thing, but it's not a bad thing. A great example, at least with my past, is I come from a lot of hardware and software where customers want to make a custom whatever it might be. And the way that I actually try to coach my customers is to stay on the path where the main development is going to be on Enabling customers to kind of go and do be a one-off is a little bit of a road to incredible customer dissatisfaction and frustration in my mind. And then I have several more, but the last out of the three is higher on two things only. This is just my perspective yet again is aptitude and attitude. I've had a great previous CIO mentor at RSA. They really embedded this into me. In my mind, there is no impactful customer success leader without a great team behind her or him. Honestly, some of the best people that I've hired in my career, and I've had a long career of hiring people, did not have outstanding pedigrees or experience. I typically hire for people that are go-getters, they're very humble, and then you empower them to figure out things on their own. And I think that those people provide truly exceptional customer experience. In my previous company alone, in the last company that I was with, the person that ran customer service was a previous barista. And the person running all of customer success uh, worked as a uh, major league scout and a baseball team. This philosophy obviously matures a little bit as your company climbs up the maturity curve. But once again, just hiring on aptitude and attitude has been a great aspect for me to build great customer success teams.
0: Great points. I always like making sure I have three good descriptors there. So I call it perspective. So making your, if you will, your client look good. Partnership. Customers want partners, not vendors, and people, right? Higher on aptitude and attitude. I like the way that you've laid that out. Let's drill down on your time with SmartSense by Digi. Can you tell us a bit about the company and you remit there as chief customer officer?
1: You bet. Uh, absolutely. So I'm a huge fan of SmartSense. I think that they personally have great products and services. I think they have experienced leaders with an exceptional vision, and I was actually lucky to work side by side with a lot of them. I spoke about this before, but I was hired as employee number nine in a temperature monitoring company called Templar to run their customer success team and their supply chain team. I started supply chain probably about nine years ago. I was also incredibly fortunate to have a VP of program management start the same day as me. And let me tell you, this guy could really make it happen, along with what I consider an unbelievable chief customer officer and a great CEO. One month later, literally from the day that I actually started, one month later, we started rolling out one of the largest retail pharmacies. And important to note that we had no playbooks, no distribution, in my mind, way too many few team members. And of course, the thing hanging over your head was the timeline. So over the next 18 months that I was at Temple Alert, we rolled out about 30,000 locations as we continued to win, in our minds, large retail pharmacy business. So it's truly amazing what a team can do with a common goal and these unbelievable pressures that are are wrapped around them. I'm still shocked on what we accomplished. Digi, at the same time, kind of took notice at the inroads that we were making and already purchased three other kind of small, similar companies. Uh, They were in the temperature monitoring space. And Digi also acquired us. And like in most acquisitions, my uh, CCO and my CEO uh, left the organization and the former COO of Digi International came to be the president of this new division made out of these four companies called SmartSense. This president asked me to work with the other three companies to kind of galvanize all the other customer success teams, were kind of disparate a little bit, and also their kind of supply chains. And in concert, I was working directly with the CTO of Temp Alert, and his job was to consolidate all the platforms and products. And I believe that we had uh, well over 100 uh, platform and products at that time. So obviously not an easy process, but at the end of the day, after everything was said and done, I think that we had the best in class temperature monitoring and task solution that could be easily, and that's a tough thing, easily deployed to industries. And our main thing was retail pharmacies, but then we also got into hospitals and labs and groceries and restaurants and transportation. So when I kind of moved on from that area, we had a solid playbook, to which we had none at the beginning, a little bit more of a street fight than other things. And we had a very supportive organizational sort of chart that enabled us to roll out about 80,000 locations more and over a million sensors. To me, the best part of that whole sort of story is our extremely low churn during this process and then our high customer satisfaction. Me personally, I believe this is all made possible by SmartSense team members doing superhuman efforts. Talk about just being on the shoulders of giants. I consider myself very lucky.
0: You know, um, Digi has been a benchmark in the IoT space due to really, I consider its focus on recurring revenue models, which is a pretty wide chasm to cross from a traditional hardware focus. What did SmartSense bring to Digi that became the catalyst for this change?
1: When TempAlert was purchased, Digi had a small revenue or recurring revenue stream when they bought us, but they knew that that was the direction that they wanted to go to and moving a little bit more from a one-time sort of hardware company or OEM sort of company. I had the benefit of working with Digi's CEO and CFO, and they really appreciated the simplicity of our SaaS billing model. TempAlert was able to bill very quickly because we were able to stand up our product fast and with high quality. One of the biggest areas that we looked at or the biggest metrics that we actually focused on was time to value. So typically for a non-enterprise, we're able to get you up and running inside a week of uh, shipping the product. So therefore, our quick billing process. And I think they just really helped Digi look at our model and take that model and kind of move it into the greater Digi International.
0: Now, Digi crossed, as I said, the recurring revenue chasm and posting quite notable market returns. Yet for the leadership path that they've so well demonstrated, it's interesting that as I look at their IoT hardware peers, they have seem to have found it difficult to effectively emulate what Digi has done. Why do you think that is? Honestly, I think
1: it comes down to leadership. I think the senior leadership at Digi has been working on recurring approach for many years, and it comes down to a lot of learnings over the course of those years. Me personally, knowing working with them and being side by side with them, I find them to be incredibly meticulous in how they either choose to build or buy. And I think that they've got a great track record of mergers and acquisitions. So I think that's why they've been kind of crossing that particular chasm. I think actually the stock reflects that as well.
0: I know you eventually left Digi to join Tive, quite a hard startup in the supply chain space. Your focus there has been head of business operations. What is your remit at Tive, and what were some of the wins of which you are most proud?
1: Yeah, let me give you a little background there. My president at SmartSense was retiring at the time, and I felt like I had accomplished a lot. So I've also been working with an exceptional customer success manager for the last three years at SmartSense. So I felt kind of confident moving on. Tive is a company that created a simple and effective device that's about the size of a deck of cards that you can put on anything that you want to track, where it is and how it is. And really, it's as easy as pushing a button on the device. I was asked to head up their business operations team and hopefully make Tive much more efficient. Uh, I can give you a kind of rundown of some of the fun wins that I did when I was there. So some of my fun wins were being part of the acquisition team that bought a Norway company called Tag Sensors that made a cost-effective, almost wafer-thin data logger so this incredible technology truly complemented Tive's uh, product suite, opened up new markets as a much more lower cost data logger. So that was a, wonderful people up in Norway. The next one uh, was that I kind of revamped, I took a step back and I revamped the objective and key results process, OKR okay, process at Tive. So I worked with the CEO, was a great CEO, and I created a limited amount of yearly objectives And then I worked with each one of the head of the departments to kind of laser focus on key results uh, based on the objectives that I I laid out with the CEO in small chunks of 90-day increments. And I found that to be incredibly effective. And then uh, another fun project that I worked on was uh, Quote to Cash. Uh, These are three little words, but, boy, they mean a lot. Uh, Tide purchased several leading systems like customer management systems and financial systems. So I led a team mainly of engineers that worked to connect them. So all orders could easily go through each system automatically, which drastically reduced the level of effort per order and increased, in my mind, the quality and visibility into our systems. So sales team uh, typically wrestled with a bunch of overhead beforehand. Now they just kind of ride the rails of their CRM and it goes directly into billing. So believe it or not, this is one of the holy grails of, uh, of effective business operations. I'll sneak in a last one, uh, Ken, where I took time and I found a new headquarters uh, for Tive. They were moving out of a smaller place. They were growing. They were busting at the seams. So we moved into a, a state-of-the-art uh, place right in Boston. Uh, so very proud of that overall. But <clears throat> important to know that Tive is an incredibly innovative company. They've got such a, a talented team. So keep your eyes out for them. They're going to crush it.
0: <laughs> Surely. So, you know, you have mentioned right up front about consistently being a leader in customer success and quite, being quite passionate around it. Um, I think you were quoted up, uh, up front about a new world of customer service where companies that get it are partners, not vendors. What is this new bar of customer experience?
1: So I always love to uh, tell the story, Ken. Uh, I read a customer success book and, and the author was talking about when he called a pizza company and it, I'll, I'll get it roughly on this, but they, you know, they say something like, hello, Tom, would you like us to make another pie for you tonight? And Tom says, yes. And the pizza says, uh, pizza company says something like, um, hey, would you like to order uh, the same five pizzas that you did last time? I think you got three cheese and two pepperoni and Tom says something like, oh, no, no, that was for a birthday party. I just need one cheese and one pepperoni. And the pizza place says, hey, do you want them the same way, you know, light slot, light sauce and uh, slightly overdone? And Tom says, yes. And they say, do you want us to deliver to 123 Ocean Ave? And Tom yet again says, yes. And he goes, hey, we'll be there in 20 minutes. So it went something like that. So you can imagine this is what the world is contending with, Right. So your customers are getting this level of service. This is from a pizza shop, right? So you can imagine what they're kind of expecting when it comes into the business world or even enterprise. So I think personally that support needs to be uh, technology-enabled but very personalized. Think about this. You know, I just read an article that says there are five generations in the workforce today and they all want to interact differently. Uh, so from my perspective, you should layer in kind of multi-channel support structures that can come in the form of complete self-service, like everybody's used to going to like an FAQ page and kind of figuring out some uh, something for themselves. But now those have technologies that are embedded in them that are kind of uh, Google-esque and can be SEO-oriented, or some artificial intelligent chat spots that can help kind of answer the questions immediately for the customer. I would keep the uh, email channel open as well. You'd be amazed at how many people still use this for non sort of critical questions or sort of comments. And uh, of course, I might be old school, but I think you should always have a phone number where people can kind of call in and, and get support. And it's important to know that you might take old things, but you can kind of put a new twist on them as well. For example, if your company sells software, you can put in a a chat icon inside that software. So imagine you're working on software and you just have a sort of question. So if a customer gets stuck in there in your software, they can click a kind of a magic button and someone can kind of help them kind of right on the spot. Um, There is a a company that will learn callers' personalities and the support agents' personalities, if you can imagine this. So they'll review any of the, the voice or chat or email conversations that have happened between um, that person, the customer, and the agent, and next time they can actually, they categorize that person's persona as A, and they match them up with the best persona on the support side, so you can imagine that they would have a, a much better interaction. So at the end of the day, it's, it's uh, our job as customer advocates to lessen the customer's effort and really kind of increase their value of the, of the product and service overall.
0: I mentioned earlier we didn't invest in a company in this space. It's called uh, InSkill, and it's also a Boston-based company. But what's interesting is that in some sense, they want to give a customer service voice to intelligent products. You kind of think of smart sensors for home, like Nest as an example, right, for home thermostats and the fact that the thermostat can actually inform quite a bit about its own situation that can be added into a customer service response question, right? And so, you know, to the degree these devices are intelligent enough to report their condition, they can be tied right into like a voice response style system. And so it's an interesting space. I think there is a lot more coming. And certainly you've hit some of the key things you want to do from a people perspective. But I think with the connected and intelligent devices, there's going to be a lot more options, I guess, that come with that as well. I guess on that topic, what trends are you watching these days?
1: So, Ken, here's just a few kind of from my perspective. Customers want to still feel connected. There's concepts like Domino's Pizza Tracker, where it makes you feel part of the experience. It might say something like, let's talk about mattresses, right? It might be like, hey, by the way, your mattress is being made by Greg, and it's actually being packaged up by Ken, and it might be delivered X, Y, and Z. So, people are actually now fully involved in the overall process of it and getting kind of excited. So, I think making customers feel more connected is something that is coming down the way. I get excited about the next one that I'll talk about. It's fun stuff like augmented reality and virtual reality, making it an immersive experience, right? I mean, now people can actually go and virtually try on shoes or actually take a picture with their camera and actually see how furniture kind of looks in their house. So I'm very interested to see how that's going to be used from a post-sales support aspect. If you look at video support, that has gone through the roof. So between pre and post pandemic, that's up 50%. And I love this aspect of it. I talked about the, the phone aspect as being kind of a high-touch medium. When it comes to support, I think that this is a very high-touch medium overall. Organizationally, I think, one thing I'd like to make mention is here is I'm seeing account managers, you know, commonly called customer success managers, um, have a quota for net growth retention for an account. And I think this is really important. So those people now, I've seen, Dana, are taking more of their renewal sort of approach and the expansion of that particular account. And what this does, it frees up salespeople to go hunt for sort of new logos. Also, I think that customers want personalized approaches. Like I mentioned before about the pizza store an article that said 66% of customers expect companies to understand their needs, and not only their needs, but their expectations. Another aspect, and this is all over the place, is artificial intelligence. You know, chatbots have it as well, but it's not only helping customers, but it's also automating repeatable tasks that customer success organizations are leveraging. So in my money, money is being poured into customer experience departments. So believe me, if your company is not investing in it, you'll be behind. We talked about it the bar being raised, but it's being raised almost on a daily basis.
0: You know, if you don't mind me putting you on the spot, who would you point to as a best-in-class example in terms of their customer success experience and hopefully something in the, you know, quote-unquote IoT or technology space?
1: I'll give you a rustic one, that will give you a high-tech one. Casper for the mattress company, I had a wonderful experience with them. It was something that I could easily go up there. I mean, obviously, direct-to-consumer aspect of it. You could order the mattress. They showed you where the mattress is. You could virtually try things out. They had a very easy exchange policy. They showed you when it was going to be shipped in and it shipped in a box and you could easily set it up. I found the whole experience to be incredibly pleasant. Selfishly, I would actually look at from a high tech standpoint, I think that SmartSense overall has got it nailed down. I haven't seen a company that can take something from a proof of concept or proof of value nowadays. They can literally show the value exactly what the customer is looking for. They are able to do large rollouts to the over 10,000 locations, but they can also do smaller locations. They can work with the customer to find out exactly what the success criteria is. They can actually stand up the product almost immediately after delivery. They can optimize the solution and then they work with the customers for long term sort of roadmap issues. I got to tell you, selfishly, if I looked at where SmartSense is, because I have so much depth inside there, very proud the way that organization is to this day.
0: Yeah, great. I appreciate the examples. I have heard a lot of good about Casper and certainly have a firsthand experience with SmartSense as well. So knowing that you've just left Tive, what's next?
1: You know, this is kind of a fun part for me. I'm in a lot of talks with companies that are really serious about creating a world-class customer success organization and playbook. So me personally, I love working for companies that focus on the how. And then I always look at, you know, this how companies and then what companies, what companies kind of focus on the product. But I think more and more that how is going to be the differentiator and how to me, a lot of times is customer success in those organizations. I love joining a hyper-growth customer-centric company. And I've been fortunate that the last three of the four have had sort of great exits. I love the messy middle overall. I think it's a ton of fun because, all solvable problems. And I love working with people that can believe that anything can be done. So, yeah, I think my job is to kind of find a company that wants to build a scalable customer success and operations department while kind of wowing their
0: customers. I think I've got about 40 active portfolio companies that uh, would be interested in, in, in what you've just described. <laughs> you <bet. laughs> Not to mention our own VC investors. So <laughs> good to know. <laughs> yeah. So in closing, I'm curious, where do you find your personal inspiration?
1: Actually, I'm a pretty big reader in podcast sort of person. Some of the great stuff that I've kind of read, Tony Shay's book, Unpacking Happiness, I think is great. To go a little old school, I actually love the last lecture. I think there's a ton of lessons that are inside there. I love the book, Extreme Ownership. And I listen to Jocko's podcast periodically. It's a little rough and tumble around the edges, but his points are on point. Might be a shameless plug, but I love these podcasts that you do. I you know, you're almost getting up to 200 of these and I think that they give you a well-rounded perspective on a completely wide range of topics. Me personally I do a lot of trail running, so Audible is kind of my go-to. So I listen, try to listen to about 2 to 3 books per month.
0: Well, excellent and thank you for the shameless plug, which isn't so shameless. So <laughs> And now it is clearly well-rounded since we've interviewed you. So now we're comprehensive. So, Greg, thank you for sharing this time and these insights with us today.
1: Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure kind of being on there. Like I said, the focus of this is just showing how the importance of customer success is inside an organization. So people remember experiences in a great success team or customer success team really make the difference, not only on the churn side of the house, but making and building long-term relationships overall. So I really appreciate the time.
0: No, I appreciate the overall conversation, but really that good summary in the end there. So this has been Greg Carter, startup enthusiast and customer success slash operations executive. Thank you for listening and please join us for the next episode of our Digital Thread podcast series. Thank you and have a great day. You've been listening to the Momenta Digital Thread podcast series. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion and as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Please check our website at one for archive versions of podcasts, as well as resources to help with your digital industry journey. Thank you for listening.